You wanted to go out. You wanted to be the big Willie. You wanted to live the fast life. You wanted to to follow what the people were doing, or you know, you wanted to get back at the homeboy that slept with your girlfriend. Whatever the reason is, whatever the reason is, you're going to prison. Mm, mm, mm. Salute. So tonight's show is about exactly that. You're going to prison. You're going to prison for the first time. And this show is is specifically for those who uh, were went to trial. You know, fought your case, went to trial, things of that nature. Because plea bargains are it's a whole different show, a whole different topic. So this show is specifically for those who. Uh, went to trial and they're they're waiting sentencing. What do we do? You know, are you out on bond? You know, a lot of times you could be out on bond while you're waiting on sentencing, or you may be in jail. You know, and and some of these steps you could apply. You know, while you're out, because a lot of times when we get found guilty, they they hit us with the handcuffs and and take us out of the courtroom at that time. So, you know, a lot of this varies when you're dealing with court cases. You're dealing with the judicial system. It really is a case by case situation. And the 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 pertinent issue about all of this, about everything that I say is that you are in tune with your case. You're not just sitting back letting your attorney handle it because I'll tell you what, when your attorney sees that you don't care, man, listen, this man's got a thousand other cases. He don't care. You have to do the work for these people. And this is one thing that we don't know. We don't know. We're, we're told to just trust our attorney. So we think that when we go and we pay these people a lump sum of money that they're going to handle it. We see in the movies, Tony Montana and all of them sitting back with their luxurious suits on, you know, and just ordering their lawyers what to do. If you got millions and, and millions and billions of dollars, that may that may work. But for us, that that's that's not going to fly, you know, so. It's preparing for your sentencing, getting ready to go to prison, preparing for your sentencing and things. So first and foremost, number one, the first thing you want to do in your preparation for prison is research. You want to research your crime, research your possible sentence, what your security level of that crime would be. And what that security level means is based upon the structure of your crime, the body of your crime, um, how, how, how prison looks at it and how case managers review your cases and things of that nature is, is not about the charge. It's about the nature of the crime, so they say. For instance, I had a prior charge of aggravated assault with intent to do bodily harm. I was found not guilty of that at trial, right? The trial shown that the whole thing was just a farce. But because I wrote out a statement stating that I was playing with the weapon, I got found guilty of a, a misdemeanor of improper exhibition of a weapon, right? They weren't going to let me leave the courtroom with nothing. So this is what they found me guilty of. However, and this was a long time ago, right? My teens, I was 18, 19, 20, something along those lines. Now, going into the prison system, 
they held that as aggravated assault and and put me in a violent violent arena they they jacked up my security points meaning that they're saying that I'm high risk for violence I have to be closely monitored these are the security levels that that we get into so what security is your charge how are you going to be uh, uh scored out are you going to be scored out as a violent criminal or not because that's going to greatly affect what institution you land at and how your time is done so research research your security level and what possible prison you could go to once you have you know maybe three possible prisons that you could go to with one that you're going to make a, a reference to to the prosecutor to the judge things of that nature you want to know what what kind of programs does this prison have start gearing up for these pro, you know these programs you want to kind of gear yourself like you're going into college this this is exactly what it is it's the school of hard knocks you want to research how dangerous is the institution a lot of these statistics they're not they're not factual but it gives you a ballpark always look at statistics coming out of the prison system as just a, a reference a ballpark because none of it is set in stone none of it is factual um these people we know that they fudge the numbers and things like that so just try to kind of look at it in a in a ballpark sense is it a, is it an over overly you know violent prison do they have a lot of lockdowns um things of that nature i can cover a lot of that in another show of how to determine which prisons are dangerous or not by just how the prisons are designed and built uh how to receive books is very important some prisons um allow certain books in and some prisons don't you know so it's it's what does this one particular prison you can call the mail room hey listen i know that you guys have books blacklisted what's the blacklist so you have a general idea of what books can come in um things of that nature and um the reason why you do all of this is because when you get inside you're going to want these things and then you're reaching out to your family who is in the midst of their life and this is these are crucial times everybody's trying to survive so essentially what this is is making it easy for your family as well because we get in there without knowing these things and then you're you're looking for you're looking for books you know what i mean and then you don't find out until your family go and order the book and then has it mailed to the institution that the institution doesn't receive this book so it's just trying to eliminate those stresses because all of that falls onto the burden of the family preparing preparing your family beforehand uh getting getting a game plan an action plan um listen ma pa you know wife husband whoever i got this set up you know what i mean so when you want to send me books you just go to this website right here and you just order me books it's already set up to go to All you got to do is when I get to my final institution, that's where I'm going to be at. You just add the 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 mailing address in there and that's it. Uh get with organizations, you know, www.cominghomecoalition.com. You could reach out to me, let me know, "Hey man, I'm on my way. I just need a guide. You know, I just I just need you close to me. I I'll, I'll be there for you. I'll do that for you. You know, I'll do that for your family members things of that nature and and um because that's what I do, you know. I'm certified life coach, mentorship things of that nature and I'll, I'll help the family and guide them through this storm because it's rough. These are rough waters, man, and your whole life is going to change. And you can't prepare for it, you know. It's it's just 
It's just doing the best that you can. And we do that by eliminating the, the stress on the family because they want to help and they want to do things, but it's, they're never going to do it the way that we want it done from the inside. So you do that. Research. Research your crime. Research your sentence, your security level, uh, what, what possible prison you can land in, and what programs that prison may have. Get with the mail room and find out how their mailing structure works, so on and so forth, and then deliver all that to your family, set up a structure for your family to follow, start a portfolio. Next, next what you're going to want to do after that is set up, because you don't have long, and this is, this is particularly if, if you are allowed to remain on the street until you're sentencing. You know, again, that, that really kind of falls onto your crime. But if you are allowed to maintain your bond and all of that throughout until your sentencing, this is pretty much for you. If not, if you know that when they find you guilty at court, they're, they're putting you in, then number one is, is before you go to sentencing, of course. But it's, it's like it's a catch-22 because you haven't went to trial yet, and we go into trial thinking we're going to win. Nobody goes into trial thinking they're going to lose, you know, so you got to figure that out. But these are the steps. Mm. And learn, learn this right here. This right here, this concoction right here is jail, prison. This is, this is, this is fuel for us right here. This is just... This coffee, of course, is not kefi, but you might as well just get used to the old kefi Colombian coffee. Comes in a yellow bag, Ziploc, and a Swiss Miss. Kefi in a Swiss Miss, and you can't go wrong. You don't need no sugar, no creamer, no nothing. Just throw the Swiss Miss in there, and you got you a nice hot cocoa coffee, and it is banging, let me tell you. Now we get into the nitty-gritty, the real, real important stuff, man, and where... We all make crucial, crucial mistakes, even me at my own sentencing. The day of sentencing. You're going in front of the judge now. You're going in front of another human being who has sat through listening to your defense, however long your trial was. You're going in front of this individual, this human being, who gets up in the morning like we do, is an American citizen like we are, and, and we pray that this human being takes his role seriously and that this human being got into the role that they did to just provide justice, to hear things unbiasedly, and to provide justice for both. This is, what we, this is what we put these people in place for. Now, there are judges out there. There are some very good judges out there, and there are some bad ones. And it's for you to make that determination. If you're paying attention through your trial, I was kind of lost. I was just, I had no idea what was going on. I was just so overwhelmed. I went, I went to federal trial, so it's, it's a whole different ballpark and it, it, it I think that's just what overwhelmed me this is why I share these things with you people because I made these mistakes and I know that those mistakes is what it just changed 
the outcome of everything. So I, I'm just sharing this stuff with you. You have to know your judge because your judge knows you. You know, and some of the biggest mistakes we make, in my opinion, is bringing our children in front of the judge, you know, trying to, to, to create empathy out of this, this, this individual. This individual has already decided at the beginning of the case and upon hearing the case and all of these things, if, if, if he was going to have empathy for, for the case or not. Us bringing our children in there and begging these people for less time and all that, it does no good. You know, it may in some situations, again, that goes back to knowing your judge. Knowing your judge. But if your judge through your trial was stern, lacked emotion for for you or your case or, or anything, you going in and, and bringing your children, your sick grandma, bringing her down with oxygen tanks and all of this stuff, the things that we drag our people through, you know, it, it's not going to do no good. It does absolutely nothing because that judge, he already knows what he's going to sentence you to. Things can change. Factors can change because things can happen in the courtroom that, could, that can sway. But he knows. He already knows. He already knows that you have children. He already knows you got a sick grandma. This judge already knows these things. You bringing them in front of him does no good. Does no good. He's already factored that into his sentencing process. So, but we do this, right? We do this. We, we drag our family members down there. We make them get up in front of the podium to say things. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a high emotion time because lives are changing. So what is missed in, in that is this is the one opportunity for the defendant, for you, to speak about any wrongdoing or anything that went through your trial openly and on record in front of the judge. You can say pretty much whatever you want. We use that time to beg for our lives, things of that nature, or, or try to you know, justify why we did it. I was, I'm sorry, Your Honor, I was just hungry and I didn't know what to do. And I grew up in an abusive home and I, we, we, the judge don't care. He hears this a million times a day. He is, is, he don't care. He does not care. Again, he already knows. He knows your situation. So it's preparing through the research that I gave you, understanding how you're going to approach your sentencing because what is important now over everything is your appeal process. And you're doing everything within your power to try to make as many claims and provide as much argument into your appeal as you possibly can. So... Use that time at your sentencing very wisely. If you feel that you have a judge that you can pull heartstrings and you can appeal to, then use that. Again, this is your life. But very rarely have I ever seen that sway a judge. I've never heard or seen myself personally. A family has came in and said anything or done anything or provided anything to the court that swayed that judge to where he said or she said, you know what? I was going to sentence you to 20 years, but because of that, I'm going to go ahead and sentence you. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm sure that it has. 
But all I'm saying is that that the, the odds are stacked up against you. So use that time wisely. Prepare. When you're going in for your sentencing, and any time from here on out, once you get found not uh, once you get found guilty at trial, from here on out, any time that you go into uh, uh, ju- the judicial realm, you always expect the worst from these people, right? Do not go in expecting or hoping for the best. It's not going to happen. The court is not going to take empathy on you. It's just not. The only time and the only way that the court will take empathy on you or, or show you any consideration is when you have cooperated with them. And that's how they are. If you do not cooperate with them, they are not going to cooperate with you. They're going to they're gonna guide you by the book of whatever it is. They're not taking no charges off the table. They're not doing any of that. Again, these are the repercussions of going to trial. This is why they say, man, if you go to trial, they're going to throw the book at you. But we as American citizens have to understand why that is. They want us to plea out. They don't want us to go to trial. If every individual that was sitting in the county jails right now across our land told all of the courts to bump you, we're going to trial, not guilty, going to trial, they would release 90% of those people. They'd have to because they cannot funnel those people through a trial process and the time that is awarded to them under the Constitution. It's impossible. They've overloaded themselves. This is why they push for the plea. This is why they want to keep the jails full. This is why you have individuals like Kevin Bowers out in in Texas sitting in county jail, hasn't seen his attorney. His bail set at $100,000 and he has no money. And they're pushing to try to get him to plea out to a crime that he did not commit. When I went to trial, these people told me that if I lost that trial, they were going to give me life. This is what they told me. My sentence carried 10 to life. These were my guidelines. I knew I was going to prison for 10 years. There was no getting under that unless I cooperated. That was out of the question for me. So I knew that I was gone for a decade chunk out of the rip and that's the low end and I'm going to trial and it's going to be an ugly trial. So I got to go in with this decision knowing that these people can give me life. And they even told me when I was sitting in the office with them, Pamela Marsh and and, and the the lead agent said, if you go to trial and you lose, we're going to ask for life and we have the means to do it. They told me that. As calm as day, like they like they do it every day. This is the federal, this is the federal system. This is the feds, the FBI, the alphabet boys. I'm sitting in there with big wigs and had no idea, clueless. I say that because I led a life, 13 years of fighting my case and going through all that I've went through, always expecting the best, always expecting that they would see my argument, hear me. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. It is a hundred times harder to get out of prison than it is to go to prison. Once they have you, right or wrong, right or wrong, it does not matter. Once they have you and you're in that quicksand, man, that quicksand sucks you down so quick before you even realize that you're in it. Because you're constantly thinking that these people are going to have empathy on you. They're going to hear your story. They're going to understand. They're not. They're not even going to pay attention to it. They don't care. So always expect the worst when you're going in. If these people, 
if if they can give you 30 years, you have to go in knowing, man, I'm there's these people going to give me them 30 years. So I'm I'm ride or die because now when they give you 20, you're like, you know, they only gave me 20. You know, you look at it differently. You think you go in there thinking that you're only going to get 10 and they give you 20. It changes your perspective on things, man. So always expect the worst. At the end of the day, you have to put yourself in the mindset that you put yourself in this position for these people to do what they're doing to you. It took me years. Man, when I tell you, man, when I tell you that it took me years, like when I say this stuff, man, I, I really don't think unless you've really been through it, you can comprehend. You know, when I say that it, it took me years, it took me years of of just self-analyzing myself to to understand because I was blaming the people that told on me. I was blaming the rats. Nah, these rats, they were rats, you know. They told on me, man, and and, and I was blaming on the, the prosecutor for knowingly allow people to get on the stand, lie, and just lie under oath. This is a person who swore to uphold the Constitution, and she allowed people to get up there and just knowingly lie, knowingly lie just to prove her case, you know? I had so many people to blame, but it never resolved the chaos in my mind, me constantly blaming other people, because at the end of the day, they're just human beings, and those people were doing what they do. Those rats that testified against me, they were always rats. They've always been, you know, a, a, a self-centered, egoic people who only thought about themselves. I knew it, you know, I knew it. These people talking about, oh, I, I'm, I'll, I'm a diehard, I'll go hard, I'll go hard. They've never been to jail in their life. I knew these things, but I still chose to surround myself with these type of individuals. That is how I had to look at it. When these people gave me them 210 months, first off, that the Fed sentenced you in months. So when they hit me with 210 months, it don't sound like a lot. You know, when that judge said, well, you're a fairly young man. You know, he asked me my age. I told him my age at the time. He said, you're a fairly young man. So these these 210 months, you're still going to come out and still be able to work and produce and all this stuff. When he said it, I'm it, it 210 months. I'm like, 210 months, months. That don't sound that bad. But it took me about a good five minutes to start putting it together because I was unprepared. I did no research going in. I had no idea. You know, I was just in a whirl. The point is, before I got back to the holding tank is when it really started to dawn on me because I'm putting, I'm, I'm breaking it down. 12 months is a year. 12 months is a year. 12 times 5, that's 5, 60 months, 60 months is 5 years, you know, and I'm like, by this time, they're putting me in the cage and locking the cage, and, and the guard, he knows what's up, he does this all day, every day, so he's just turning and he's leaving, and I'm alone, I'm in a cold, gray cell, like this, alone, figuring this shit out, you know, figuring this shit out. And I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, 60, 60 months is five years. 60 times two is 120. 120 is 10 years. You know, well, I knew I was going for 10. So 120 and then flip that. 240 is 20. So I just got under 20 years. 
For why? So, expect the worst. Know your guideline range. Know these things so that when you get hit with this, you're prepared for it. It's not because these are Tyson blows. These are blows when they come. You know what I mean? So, it's not spinning you. You're prepared for it. You're set up. You're strategic. And the most important thing out of all of this is to record as much as you can while you're on record in the court, you know, because at the sentencing, you have free will to say what it is that you want. A lot of mistake that that we make in the courtroom is when we talk to the judge, you know, we we talk to the judge as. As if he's one of us, you know, I'm guilty of this. A lot of us are guilty of this and and. We're, we're so emotionally distraught, we just want to tell the judge a piece of our mind, and we want to humble him because these judges are narcissists. They're, they're egoic. These people sit up on stools above us, and they make decisions about our lives, right? So they like to be in praise. They like to be called your honor. You know, they like to be respected and addressed that way. And when they speak, you listen. They don't have to listen to you. You put yourself in his courtroom. We have to control our emotions in, those, in that process. And we do that by being strategic, by expecting the worst. Expecting the worst so that you're calm, cool, collected, and that we're thinking critically and we're putting on record critical things that can go directly into our appeal process. This, this is a critical step. So know your judge, know how you're going to approach your sentencing Last but not least, and most importantly, last but not least, but this is the most critical point of going into prison, knowing that you're going into prison, and not only going into prison, but just life. This, is, this, this right here is just daily life value, right? And that is just to know yourself. Know yourself. This is critical. This is critical. Because it's not like out here in society where we can hide behind masks of lies and deceit. You cannot do that in prison. You cannot do that in prison. And the most critical mistake that you can make going into prison is trying to be something that you are not. Because all of that is going to do is lead down a road to end up to where you'll see on these other channels, right, of, of the rape and the, the gangs the brutalizations of prison. That is where that goes. It's very critical. If you are not a fighter, if you know in your bones that you are not a, a gritty fighter who, who will defend yourself at all costs, if you don't know this, don't guess it. You know, because a lot of people don't know until they're put in that situation. Your life will change inside. You will learn things about yourself that you had no idea was in you. So, but if you know that you're not a fighter, do not go into prison thinking that trying to portray to be a fighter because maybe you look tough and you had your, you know, your, your, your girlfriend convinced and your homeboys on the block convinced, you know. But if you know deep down that you've been, you're really not that, you know what I mean? Do not go into prison with that, with that mentality. Do not. I cannot stress that enough. You will get hurt if not killed because there are knuckleheads in there that don't care how tough you are. They want to try you. 
They want, if you're that tough, how tough am I? If you're that tough, man, listen, and I'm looking at you and I'm sizing and you don't look that tough to me. You know what I mean? You ain't got nair, nair scar on your knuckle, first and foremost. You know, you're, you got a baby face. You talk smooth. Come on, man, I'm going to try you. And, that's, and, and then once I get into that mix with you and I see that you are not working with nothing, the rest of your time is going to be very, very hard. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for failure. Know who you are. Start a game plan on this is how I'm going to do my time. You know, these are my boundaries. And I'm not going to let anybody cross these boundaries. And you have to ask yourself, what happens if that boundary gets crossed? Just because you set boundaries don't mean anything. Don't mean nothing. I don't care about your boundaries, dude. Like, I want your tray. So either you get it, when we get back to the cell, you're going to find out what happens to people who do not give up their tray. It's plain and simple. So once that boundary is crossed, just because you set up a boundary, it's meaningless. So you have to ask yourself, what happens? What happens? What do I do? How far am I willing to take it? If, okay, I say I don't want nobody touching me, but this dude comes up and touches me. What am I going to do? Am I going to hit him in the mouth? Am I just going to swing on him and go? You know, or am I just going to cuss him out? Or am I not going to do nothing? You have to know yourself. Know, know how far you're willing to go. You know, and like I say, you will be put in a position, unfortunately, to, to find out how much animal you have in you. You know, um, I mean, that's not all cases. Some people, some people know how to work people. Some people are very good with working people. If you're that way, do that. Know yourself. Know your expertise as a human being. What are your skill sets? And bring that into prison with you. Um, be humble. Be respectful. Be a convict. And what that means is just do your time. However you do your time, just make sure that it does not impede on nobody else. Nobody else's time should be impeded on while you do your time. That includes your selling. You know what I mean? Be a convict. Pick up after yourself. Stay clean. Stay respectful. Stay humble. Respect other people's boundaries, no matter what it is, what you see. Mind your business. Don't ask questions. You walk by a cell, you see a dude getting gang raped. It's none of your business. It's none of your business. You have nothing to do with it. It's not your homeboy. It has nothing to do with your cell. Listen, man, I didn't see nothing. Somebody comes up and asks you, man, did you see what happened on the run? Nah, but you just walked, man. I didn't see nothing, man. And, and keep it at that. Don't get into the gossip. Don't get into the drama. It's the same shit out here. You know what I mean? It's the same shit out here. So I see I got me a couple comments from Ms. Ms. Janelle. Ms. Janelle says, you're not wrong to blame them, but at least you owned up to your own wrongdoing. I'm, I think you're talking about the, 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 uh, the snitch part. Well, it's, it's, it's not for me to blame them for anything, Janelle, because they are who they are. I blame myself for not recognizing that or not adhering to my guts. You know what I mean? It's, it's they are who they are. They did what they did. You know, I, it's not for me to blame anyone. All I can do is just blame myself for my actions and, and what the, mis the, 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 the mistakes that I made and putting myself around these people, thinking they were good people. I knew they weren't good people. I knew it. I knew it in my bones. 
but they were the only people at the time that were showing me attention and love. And, and to me, that was more important. What if you know you didn't do wrong? That's a whole different story. Again, I mean, that's, you know, when we're talking about innocent, that's a whole different story. When you are innocent and you're going through this process, you have to use every opportunity that you have while you're in that in front of that courtroom. Listen, I, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. How do you plead? Innocent. Innocent. That's it. That's the only thing that's coming out of my mouth. That's it. They couldn't beat another word out of me. I promise you they couldn't through the whole process. Will the defendant rise? I'm innocent. I'm not rising. You got to hold me up. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. That's it. So it's, it's using the point of what it is, is, is using the, 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 the court to solidify and strategize your process as much as you possibly can. Don't go in there emotional. Don't think that the court is going to have empathy on you, but just use the court's record to document, to document whatever it is that you want to say as much as possible. But you have to fall within the, the scope of what the proceeding. I can't go into a plea, right? A plea hearing where I'm going to plead guilty or not guilty and try to present facts to the case. The court's not going to allow me to do it. It'll be inadmissible. So again, it's going back to the first is researching and understanding why and what this procedure is about and how can I use this procedure to my benefit. That's it. That's all I got. Just know yourself. Don't go into prison bragging about anything. Uh, you know, don't lie. Don't create stories. Some of the biggest mistakes that I would see people make, we would sit around on the on the softball field, kicking stories, drinking liquor, whatever. And people would make up stories because they just want, you know, you're, you're around, you're around serious convicts. You're around serious dudes, man, who have done serious things. And, you know, we sit around and tell stories, you know, and some people just want to be included in on that. And maybe they, they're not, and they'll create stories. They'll, they'll make up lies, you know, and at the end of the day, prison amongst convicts, right? Is, is trust, is trust. And if you lie one time, you will be known as a liar. You will be known as a person that they cannot trust. And that is the wrong side of the fence to be on if you're trying to survive. That's it. That's all I got. Know yourself. And the most important tip, always remember this, man. Do not, do not, do not go into prison and hit the biggest, baddest person you see. Do not do that. Don't do that. This is, this is what we've heard. Man, when you get in there, just hit the biggest dude you see. Don't do that. You will die. You will die or you will wish that you were dead. No. That's not what you do. You take it from me. You heard it from me first. Please adhere to that advice. You do not go into jail, you do not go into prison, and you do not hit the biggest, baddest person that you see, because that person, just, just don't do it. So, take care of yourself. I wish you well upon your journey. Take this time to solely focus on you. 
focus on you, understand why you went there, what put you there, not the crime that you did, but your, your thought process, your decision making, and route that thought process and decision making back to your childhood. When did you first start thinking like this and why? Unmap yourself, figure out why you're in prison. You know, if you already know, then start building upon that. You're already ahead of the game. Most of us that go to prison, we have no idea why we're even going to prison. This is why we get out and keep going back, right? So if you know why you're in prison, man, you're already ahead of the game. Start preparing not to go back. And please stay out these people's prison, man. Please stay out these people's prison. And stop taking plea deals. Take that junk to trial, man. Take it to trial. Take it to trial. I love you guys. If you need me, I'm here. Holler at me. Just Google Thomas Free Me. Please visit my site, www.cominghomecoalition.com. Donate any way that you can. What else I got, man? You see the board, Free Tamujin. Free Tamujin, Kinsu, man. Look what's going on up there in Michigan, man. This governor up there, Governor Whitmer and Dana Nessel. All these people corrupt, man. They know what they did is wrong. They know what they've done is wrong. They're holding a, a, a innocent human being, an innocent American citizen. American citizen captive, and I get, I get hot. Let me go. Free James Griffin, free Curtis Davis, man.